0: You're listening to the Townsville Chambercast, essential information, ideas, and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. We would like to thank our show partner, Adits, for making this podcast possible. Adits are a local IT provider with one purpose, to implement effective technology solutions which empower their customers to achieve their mission. You can find out more about how they can support you and your business over on their website, a-D-I-T-S.com.au. In this special episode of or Chambercast, we revisit insurance in the region with strong advocates, Ross McLennan and Michael Falconeri. Welcome, Ross and Michael.
1: Thanks, Claire. And yes, the insurance industry has been a a major part of Townsville Chambers' advocacy work over the last seven to eight months. So we thought it was a really good idea to get Michael Falconeri, Townsville Chambers' current president, who's worked very closely on our submissions around insurance to sit down and and have a bit of a talk about our position, how we've got to them and uh, where we see it moving forward, because there has been some advances on this critical issue for for Northern Australia. So um, hello, Michael. G'day Ross, how are you going? Good, thanks for joining us mate. I know your volunteering work at the Chamber goes beyond insurance, but it's good for us to hone in on this particular topic today. And I know we were sitting there before Christmas and we met with George Christensen, he came in and he talked to us a little bit about a topic that we all knew was an issue. We talked about some solutions and we looked at an alliance report and when we saw the ACCC hand down their report into the Northern Australian Insurance Inquiry, although they did it on the 23rd of December, I know you picked up a coffee over the, the Christmas break as well and we both come back pretty fired up. Yeah, no, that, that's about right, Ross. So it's It's been a little
2: while now. It seems like it's been a bit of a journey, but insurance is something very uh, important to everybody who lives in Northern Australia. Um, born and bred in Ingham and Townsville, are very passionate about. Um, and as in my other life as a partner at Wilson Ryan Gross Lawyers, you often hear people purchasing their property, going into business becoming very passionate about these big stages in their life and one of the big issues that they have to contend with is insurance. I can recall when I first bought my first property as a young solicitor at the time, uh, the first thing I did was go down to the solicitor and said, "What do I got to do now?" and his first comments was, "Well, as soon as you sign a contract, the property's at your risk, so you're going to need some insurance. But it was actually a bit more important than that and the legislation really requires you to have insurance. It's not so much much a choice, but as an obligation to. So when the ACCC report, it's been a long time coming, but when it did arrive in December last year, it was good to have a look at it and see exactly what the issues were, what was raised and what some of the solutions were proposed by the C. after such a long time coming. Unfortunately, it was a little bit disappointing when I got to the end
1: and and yeah it concur like you know 593 pages to tell us a problem that we knew already existed but I think we all flick straight to the solutions and I think that's where our sort of concern was raised and I, I know you and I had multiple conversations about this uh, working back around government intervention you know we're both usually trying to to lessen red tape lessen government intervention trying to let the market sort it out so it was philosophical a bit of a hard one for both of us and, and the chamber to talk about uh, the need for government intervention but I think you summed it up perfectly at the start. Like, Insurance is an essential service. The economy can't run without it. So when we don't have it, that's really where we started the conversation and put our first submission into the um, the, the federal budget submission back in January. And um, you know, we were very, very keen to highlight that insurance was an essential service, but also we, we highlighted the basic principle of insurance, Michael, and I know you were quite passionate about this component of it.
2: Absolutely. the the basic principle of insurance is effectively that a lot of people contribute a small amount of money, so that if one person suffers an unfortunate event, there's a fund that we've all contributed to to help out to to re-establish and continue on. That's what Australia is all about: helping each other out and and being prepared and having that in, involved. But when uh, insurance becomes an affordability issue, and cyclone and flooding are said to be reasons as to why the market starts to fail, these are aspects where you say, well, okay. If the problem is just in one locale, how do you have a solution where the basic principles of insurance can still apply? And that's where we started looking through to see the solutions provided by the ACCC. And unfortunately, it didn't seem to quite come back to that basic principle of insurance, which is where we started to form some of our, our recommendations to government.
1: Yeah, I know one of the first questions we put, was Australia able to insure itself? Was it was it a viable market? And, the, and you know the ACCC report clearly articulated that, that, yes, it was. But it just said, if you don't insure in particular areas, you can make slightly more money. And I guess with that principle or that basis in mind, we we started to go into to looking at recommendations. And we did put four recommendations forward. And I think that was that's important to note. And one of the major points we did make when we were doing the, the recommendations back in January was we didn't think that just one solution might fix a, a very complex problem. So yeah, talk to us a little bit about the four we put forward, Michael.
2: Absolutely. It, it's a complex problem. And I think that's sort of why the can's been kicked down the road a little while is because a uh, problem is complex. The solution uh, might be a little bit difficult, but it's not a reason why you you shouldn't try to look for one. So the four recommendations that we put forward with the real focus on being able to maintain that, that basic principles of insurance and reintroduce competition back into the marketplace, which would have that real effect of bringing premiums down, making insurance more affordable, was that we needed to have a reinsurance pool introduced, um, which wasn't a new concept. Australia has had a reinsurance pool concept previously, but it's something that not everybody's familiar and aware of. So that was an opportunity to sort of delve into and explain that a bit so that we can have a bit more understanding around that because this is a complex issue. There's lots of different types of insurance and when you go down the, the path you can go down a lot of different rabbit holes. So I think it was really important to come back to the basics, get four recommendations, try and keep things simple but look to solve the complex problem with a simple way. So the, the first uh, recommendation was a reinsurance pool and expand the existing uh, reinsurance pool corporation remit to include northern australia and cover the events of cyclone and floods the second recommendation was an obligation for insurers to provide insurance not just to one place but if you're going to provide insurance in australia to the whole of australia so that goes back to the basic principle and then the third uh recommendation was something that we really did struggle with ross <laughs> and uh i recall that at the time we we did have some passionate discussions uh, along the lines as to what it was we were doing, because um, red tape, government intervention is not the place where an advocate for open markets and businesses to prosper is where you would normally ask for governments to to provide uh, services. However, the third recommendation was that there be a national insurer to provide a baseline insurance for all Australians. And again, we were trying to keep things simple because it is a complex area. Everybody understands how Medicare works. Everybody knows that the healthcare system in Australia is something that can be activated and where everybody contributes to help those that can't. And the market can apply above the baseline. Uh, and the fourth recommendation was something that we thought was uh, a relatively low-hanging fruit, and was something that the ACCC actually recommended, so we do think they did get that one right, in that reducing some of the additional fees, such as stamp duty and GST.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do remember that the national insurer debate, it was a was a good one, but I mean, we were very specific in saying that, you know, if you've got a four-bedroom, two-bathroom house, uh, this is um, the baseline insurance that covers the whole of Australia, and, and you know, if you, if you want to go beyond that, and insurance for, for more things, then, then obviously the uh, the market can sort that out. But I guess the reinsurance pool, you know, it is important to highlight that we didn't base this off uh, an overseas model or anything like that. Australia implemented a reinsurance pool in 2003, and that was after the terrorism attacks in 2001 in, in the US. The Reinsurance Pool Corporation was formed, and quite interestingly, it charges reasonably high levels of fees or a levy, if you could say, on commercial buildings and, and for business Interruption all over Australia, and have been doing since 2003, Uh, and that's put them in pretty good stead. There's there's a bit of money in the coffers that we originally highlighted to to our elected officials, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, yeah. the, The current
2: reinsurance pool for terrorism back in, established back in 2003, it's a levy just on commercial property and business interruption policy. So it's not across all insurance policies, um, but there's a rate between 2.6% to 16%, depending on where you are in the location of the property and the business that's there. And that I amount mean, has been continuing to grow the pool so that if there is an unlikely event of, or an unfortunate event, I should say, terrorism, there's a pool of funds that we can draw on to recover and continue on. This concept is not, or should not be and that was our position that much different to what happens in the north and the explanation for why prices are so much higher in northern australia to cover a cyclones and flooding event
1: yeah i, I know i know when i first found out about it i was i was pretty alarmed with anyone with a business or a commercial building in townsville is paying well at the moment they're paying up to 5.3% on their premium uh, as a levy for terrorism and not knowing about it a. and
2: i would suggest to you that the likelihood of a terrorism attack up here in Townsville may or may not be different from other places, such as Charters Towers, Mount Isa, and those sorts of things, but we're all contributing.
1: Yeah, and and yeah, even Charters Towers, Winton. we highlighted in one of our submissions that, you know, they were paying 2.6% on a commercial property premium for terrorism. Now, okay, you can argue that that's fundamentally the basic principles of insurance, that's fine. And that's the way that we argued it to the federal government as well and said, well, you know, if you're expecting someone with a warehouse in in Winton, whose insurance premium has gone up six to 900% in the last 10 years, 2.6% of that increase is actually is paying a similar premium to a warehouse down in Sydney or or Melbourne. Let's get on a level playing field and let's make this fair again. I think we had a fair bit of traction making that argument.
2: Absolutely. And the ACCC report actually just highlighted the issue. It actually identified Northern Australia that if insurers pulled out of that market, they could make 13% return. As easy as pie. Yep. That's why it was so important for that we felt that the chamber needed to get involved, get in this space, because if we're going to encourage and attract and develop Northern Australia, we really needed to address the affordability insurance because the report indicated that things were going to go south. Yeah, very yeah. Quickly. They, they weren't
1: going in the right direction. And I know earlier podcasts we've had, you know, tragic stories of, of you know the Good Shepherd nursing home and, and people that manage lots and lots of properties and, and what they're endeavouring to do. So I don't think we definitely didn't have a problem articulating the problem, we, I guess our solutions. Was a big thing, but you know, to the federal government's credit, fourth of May, um, we got some some very good news and a and a ten billion dollar reinsurance pool for cyclone and related flooding. I've got to get the terminology right. Was announced, and uh, I know when we we did a podcast back on insur- it was it was a week old, so we didn't really know any of the details. Uh, since then, Treasury has put out a consultation paper on the 21st of May. Uh, we had about four weeks to respond to that. It did ask 23 questions. I mean, I don't, you know, our podcast, we try and keep them to a walk up Castle Hill, so we won't go into all 23, but we did highlight some questions, although we did answer them all and you, and you can see our responses on our website. I think for this podcast, it'd be really good to delve into a couple of those. And in particularly some issues that we were very passionate about as the Chamber of Commerce, because unfortunately in designing the reinsurance pool, the effectiveness on, of it is going to be manipulated by how well or poorly it's designed. And what we were very concerned about when We did see... You know, some of this consultation paper coming through was asking for a lot of definitions, and you know, being a lawyer, you, know, you love a good definition. But now you're talking well, about yeah, you. that's right. But if you if you start creating complexity, then then you create problems, and and especially one of the definitions they asked for in the consultation paper was around, please define a small business. Um, and we thought, for the purpose of insurance, this was a was an incredibly slippery slope. If you've got twenty staff or turn over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, it, it It just... It just defied belief that we were trying to actually discriminate the size of a business to see if they could access this reinsurance pool. So um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about our response to that and and why we come to those conclusions. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And and you're dead right, Ross. It was a great announcement that the reinsurance pool was going to come in. uh, And we actually got the Prime Minister up the day after, I think. So we we got the opportunity to say thank you. Uh, But like all these things, the devil is in the detail and there's no finer detail than definitions. So when the submission Paper asking the questions about the design uh, because it was indicated that you know the reinsurance pill will apply but it won't take effect until 2022, uh, July 2022. So we got 12 months to try and work out how this thing should operate and should work. And by getting the questions, it really gave us an insight that they really did need some input from people up here in the north that experienced the problems firsthand. Uh, So it was absolutely vital and important that we had people on that task force and got the opportunity to put forward our submission. So if you haven't read the chamber submissions, I I would encourage you to do so. But to come back to what you were asking about the definitions of small business, the whole question to define what a small business operator was, whether you're a large business or a small business, uh, and just open up a, a minefield of interpretations for possible exclusions as to when and how this reinsurance pool would operate really sent uh, alarm bells off that we were starting off on the wrong foot and heading down the wrong track very, very quickly. Effectively, we really need the definition around what a cyclone and flood might be. And I think we've got those definitions articulated already. So there's no need to reinvent the wheel in that department. But what we really need to uh, focus in on is that this isn't meant to be discriminating against businesses or individuals like I started out. Everybody is affected by insurance we all need building and contents insurance and i think that's the most important thing because when you start talking something as complex as insurance you can go down those rabbit holes and you can talk about public liability professional liability negligence all those types of things but if we keep the topic in mind what the design we need to focus on now is the development of the reinsurance pool which is there to provide the safety net for the insurers that in the event something happens there is that pool, which then allows them to reduce the premium prices, encourage competitiveness to come back to the market so that the prices come back to a, a competitive nature and reduce so that it's affordable up here again. So we really don't want definitions about small and large businesses for which there's already a multiple number of definitions depending on whether you're in state legislation or federal legislation or procurement legislation or a whole raft of different types of legislation the definition can change so introducing a new one to try and identify who or what might be classed as a small business to fit in this even though small business is our space in chamber what's really important is that everybody can have access to uh, the reinsurance pool for property and contents and come back to what it is that we're trying to cover. Property and contents for cyclone and flood related damage.
1: Yeah, I know, I know when we first started throwing it around, we sort of almost tied it to payroll and and you know, if we create disincentives in the way that we live and the way that we operate, like businesses are very good at finding opportunities and exploiting them, and that's what a competitive business market should be all about. But when you go and say, Okay, if you get over this size, you're no longer allowed to access insurance from the reinsurance pool, you know, businesses go, Oh, well I, I won't grow, I won't employ more people I won't develop northern australia um, and contrary to that as well is and, that, and I'll pull you up
2: there Ross yeah. because that's a bit of the misunderstanding that evolves with the purpose of the reinsurance pool it's not like you and me are going to be activating the reinsurance pool we're still going to be going to our broker to try and get the insurance and it's the insurers that will be accessing the reinsurance pool mm. so to start adding those levels of complexity as to who it is that's the individual at the other end of the line that might be taking at the policy at the end of the day, just creates a mountain of complexity, costs. And as soon as you introduce costs, I don't see how we're going to get a reduction in premium prices.
1: It comes back to the basic principle of affordability, Getting more competition into the marketplace, we can't make it difficult, and we can't discriminate because people will fall in and out of it, uh, business sizes will move up and down with the extra contracts and all the rest of it. So and, you know, the other obvious major one is a lot of smaller businesses rent space off big business. So if they're not covered by the reinsurance bill, that price is gonna to have to be passed on and et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's it's really important to start, you know, gauging these sort of questions because you can you can find out a lot about the thinking when, when those sort of questions are asked.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there was other, um, there was some stuff around the, uh, the actual uh, mechanisms, I guess, and, and governance of the, of the reinsurance pool and, and, and how it would work. And we, we sort of touched on this a little bit in the opening about the structure of the, the reinsurance pool and how that levies. I guess, all of Australia. I know it's postcode based and it's population based but that's 16% down to 2.6%. We're all contributing to that reinsurance pool. It's viable, it's sustainable, it's got $14 billion in it um, because we've all been contributing to to it since 2003 or or anyone that owns a commercial building. We were pretty keen to put that sort of mechanism on the front foot and look at that for for this reinsurance pool on on cyclone and and flood related damage.
2: Absolutely. We're talking about a very complex issue. So adding Additional layers of complexity into the design when we've already got a reinsurance pool for terrorism that's been doing pretty well, and yep. <laughs> um, there would be a few people that you know know how it works and can can attest to the fact that it's still in in operation, still in function, uh, and is you know paying some dividends. Why you wouldn't expand the remit and do if not something similar, the same thing except covering additional losses and coverages to to expand it to cyclone and flood?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I know um the the uh the, the our, I guess our simplistic thinking sometimes uh, gets us in trouble. But, you know, when when you've got something that's there and it's working, we don't necessarily want you to create something else with complexity.
2: Why reinvent the wheel and add more costs when you're trying to reduce a price and introduce competition? And
1: introduce people back in the market, exactly. Now, I you know, it'd be remiss of us not to talk about mid, the old chestnut mitigation because this is the one that's that's divvied around a lot. And whilst there's a lot of good work being done in that place and we've got brilliant sort of research and and everything happening up here mitigation is a is a slow burn it's going to take a long time for us to, and, and mitigation does take in planning too, I must emphasise that. It's not just how you build the infrastructure, it's also where you put it. So there's a there's a long burn with mitigation and it's been used pretty exclusively as the, the golden solution by the insurance industry. So we were very keen to, to point out that this is not the place for the reinsurance pool to be playing.
2: Absolutely. M- mitigation is an important thing. It, it's an aspect that we can look to. Um, you know, if something uh, occurs and there's a learning lesson to be taken on it, we should take steps to try and improve and and progress. But when we're talking about the design and development of a reinsurance pool, mitigation doesn't play a part in that discussion. Uh, What's more important is designing a reinsurance pool that might actually build up a, a fund base. And if a fund base is built up, then the dividends or profits that you know, they're starting to see flow through from the terrorism fund might actually be an opportunity to apply that towards mitigation. But to talk about that now, when we're trying to design something in order to get to the end, I think it lends itself again to, to the misunderstandings as to how and the importance of getting this up off the ground, making it work, and then the potential for growth afterwards.
1: Yeah and we're not going to see drastic re, uh, you know, reductions in policies or when I say, and when I say drastic reductions, I should be using the words more along the lines of equalization of policies because of the amount that we're paying for them. But to throw mitigation in the mix so early on in the conversation did highlight to us that there, there had to be a, a, a pretty strong response to that to let's get the pol- policy prices down. Let's get competition back into the marketplace. Let's make it affordable. So the 25% of people that, that literally can't afford insurance in Northern Australia get it. And then we start worrying about that later down.
2: The, the, the differential in pricing for insurance has been spoken out for the last 10 years at least uh, and we've all been taking steps to try and mitigate the damages that our properties might suffer in, in if there is another event. It's not the solution that we're looking for or definitely not the silver bullet for the solution that we're looking for uh, and if we're going to advance and get the reinsurance pool to do its job and work correctly, happy to talk about mitigation but as a separate discussion.
1: Yeah exactly. One, one of the other uh, recommendations we did put into the, to the first submission we did, although to the federal government, we did include a, a section there in relation to state-based taxes. But we'll talk stamp duty a little bit later on in the conversation and its, this, it's issues, but which we do agree with the ACCC report. One of the other things I really wanted to talk to you about was around the very prescriptive state-based legislation and the effects that's having on particularly the strata component that we suffer up here.
2: Yeah, and the reinsurance pool is designed to operate in in Northern Australia, so cover Western Australia and the other states as well. But And I can't speak for those uh, states because I practice and operate and live in Queensland. But in Queensland, we do have strata legislation or what we call the Body Corporate and Community Management Act. And there's a number of modules and schedules that are attached to that legislation. And within those there are very, very prescriptive rules about the type of insurance that must be taken out by the body corporate entities. And that's done for good reason to ensure that parties, developers, etc., take reasonable steps to to ensure that there's uh, insurance in place and the right types of insurance. But the problems that we have, and, and one of the, the issues that we struggled with when we made the original submission is we weren't looking to in, introduce more regulation into the space. And what we found from the start, strata legislation, I would suggest, is the fact that it has actually created a uh, costs that might not otherwise be there there isn't the flexibility for uh, people to to look at different products or different ways and if that was available uh, and the prescription or the regulations were less prescriptive there might be further opportunities for competition in the marketplace, which leads to more affordable insurance for everyone.
1: Yeah. And I, and I know, Michael, we've, we've even looked um, in other parts of Australia too, and, and, and different states obviously have different legislation when it comes to strata, and they don't have as many insurance issues there for, you know, you could argue a, a multitude of reasons. But with the effects of what we do have here in Northern Australia, it, it definitely um, escalates the issue anyway.
2: Absolutely. Particularly for new developments. And if we're looking to develop Northern Australia and we want to encourage developers to build strata complexes, unit complexes, multi-storey complexes. There needs to be a mechanism to ensure that there's affordable insurance that can not only be taken out, but that can be obtained by the developer so that he can get the funding in order to get the development off the ground. And then the individuals who might you know, buy a unit and become their home or the businesses that operate uh, at, the, at the bottom of the building, depending on how it works. But we, it's got something that affects everybody. And if we're serious about developing Northern Australia, if we can make insurance affordable for those strata properties, uh, if we can make insurance affordable for all properties, buildings and content. Uh, the reinsurance pool is an opportunity that uh, based on the ACCC report, based on the feedback from stakeholders, based from the uh, feedback by Brokers, who are the ones that sell the insurance products to everybody uh, in the north, Um, the reinsurance pool has the uh, an opportunity to make a real difference here. And if we can get the state legislation amended to remove some of those prescriptive uh, regulations, we can potentially achieve the outcome of developing northern Australia.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really like you know we talk housing shortages and we talk all of this sort of all all this thing. And you know you're not going to keep up with that with detached housing. It has to be health has to be cost-effective multi-dwelling sort of buildings and. um, uh, we, we know the complexities here of, of people trying to get them off the ground and, and, and the issues that insurance plays. There are other finance and things like that, but insurance... We... But it feeds
2: into it, Ross. Finance, oh. uh, you, you can't get it without insurance. So if you can't afford your insurance, you can't get your finance, and it all feeds into it.
1: It gets too hard. but And that's that was our exact argument around the essential service component of insurance. It, it is essential for people to make the transaction, activate the transaction, get it off the ground, get finance, and, and so on and so forth. But while we're on the state, the old chestnut of... Of stamp duty, I know. I know an insurance premium up here has the the cost. Uh, then it has the GST. Uh, then it has stamp duty. Uh, then it has the terrorism levy and some associated charges. And, and depending on the type of building, who you are, where you are, and what you are, uh, it, it's between twenty two and twenty eight percent that it adds to a, a policy, a, a premium price, a, yeah. a premium price. Um, and so when that's
2: already one hundred percent above what it is in the south. Then you're starting to get a real big number. Flowing through there,
1: yeah. Like we've heard of heard of um, premiums, you know, going from you know three hundred thousand to a million. Well, you add twenty eight percent onto a million, you know, you got to find another two hundred eighty thousand. So it's a it's a big chunk of money, and it's disproportionately charged. At, at a um, at an unfair uh, level, uh, so we've been we've been very prescriptive around GST and uh, and and the state-based stamp duty on insurance premium.
2: Absolutely, it was one of our four recommendations in the original submission, and something that we expressed as part of our original submission is that this is a complex issue. While we might present some simple solutions to the problem, it may and I believe it will take a combination of some of those recommendations in order to get the outcome of reduced premium prices. For for people in the north uh, And it's an easy lever to pull Remove stamp duty, remove GST And you should uh, remove at least 10% or 20% uh, Of the price being paid But it's a one time operation as soon as that's done and your premium price increases by 50 percent the next year you haven't really achieved the outcome have you
1: and, and and yeah we were very very keen to point that out you pull that lever once the way that the insurance premiums were increasing without competition really meant that you know it was a one-time lever and, and it would have been a very short sugar hit to the insurance sector but I think you combine the reinsurance pool combine the uh the the activation of competition back into the marketplace you apply those forces and then you remove those unfair charges like stamp duty in GST then 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 you're seeing, you know, the reinsurance pool takes twenty percent off, those fees take twenty to twenty five percent off. You're talking really big, significant savings.
2: Absolutely. And once you identify that insurance is an essential service, it's not a large leap to remove these types of things. You don't pay GST in your bank account keeping fees, for example. Yep. So, you know, this can be done. And if we can bring the premium prices down, which we understand the insurers uh, say that it needs to be that high because of the, the risks associated with flood and cyclones. So if that base number comes down, then the percentage charges will come down. And if you can reduce or, or remove those percentage prices, then the overall outcome will be reduced prices on those premiums, which is what we're trying to achieve and what the ACCC said needed to happen. Otherwise, we won't be able to obtain insurance, which we've identified as an essential part of developing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, we met with the treasurer about this. We met with the deputy treasurer. We've met with nearly every side of politics and reinforced these issues. And I I don't think there is a thing up here that's more highly discussed uh, when it comes to Affordability uh, than than insurance. Uh, it's been great to get this first stepping stone. We're heavily involved in in working with Treasury around the design of the reinsurance bill, making sure that we are really pushing for that local representation, like someone with assets here, someone with skin in the game to sit in these meetings and go, no, that's not going to make it more affordable. So let's not go down that burrow. Let's let's stay on track.
2: That's a really important part, Ross. I, We've got the great announcement that there is a reinsurance pool, so we've got the, we've started the journey around actually solving a 20-year-old problem to, to be left at the post and be defeated by the devil in the detail. Uh, that, that would be a sad day. So, yeah, Chamber's committed to working real hard to ensure that, that we try and get the outcomes that we're looking for.
1: Yep, we'll we'll keep on it. And we'll we'll keep our members updated as well, and you know these podcasts are a great forum for that. So uh, thanks for your time today, Michael. I know you're busy uh, busy all the time. So, uh, but it's it's good to get something down and and uh, let our listeners follow Absolutely. the journey.
2: No, happy to do so. I really enjoy the Chambercast. <laughs> thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Ross.
0: We appreciate you tuning in to the Townsville Chambercast. Subscribe and follow to receive Chambercast updates for your morning commute every second Friday. Thanks for listening and remember to think, support, celebrate and go local. This podcast is proudly funded by the Australian and Queensland government through the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. We would also like to thank our show partner, Adits, for making this podcast possible. Adits are your local IT provider with one purpose to implement effective technology solutions which empower their customers to achieve their mission. You can find out more about how they can support you and your business over on their website, adits.com.au, Adits.com.au